to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today on the show is the father and son duo, Pete and Chris Reese. Pete served as an assistant basketball coach, athletic director, and several other positions before his retirement in 2017. But he is never too far from campus. Chris was formerly a basketball player for the Yellow Jackets, and now he serves as the supervisor of outdoor athletic facilities. Both of these men love Cedarville University Athletics. Here is a fun conversation with Pete and Chris Reese and your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah Gump, for that introduction, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and joining me today on the program is a father and son who have enhanced the fabric of Cedarville University Athletics for decades. I'm talking about Pete Reese and his son, Chris. For those of you who may not be familiar with Pete and Chris Reese, which is really hard to imagine, Pete graduated from Cedarville University in 1960. He was a dominant force on the Yellow Jacket basketball team, scoring 1,930 points in the days before the three-point shot was in vogue. And that currently puts him at number seven on the all-time scoring list at the university. And he grabbed 1,027 rebounds, which is number eight all-time. Pete is a charter member of the Cedarville University Athletic Hall of Fame, and his number 43 jersey was retired in 2005. After a 23-year career at the Masters College in Los Angeles, Pete returned to Cedarville to serve as an assistant basketball coach from 1988 to 97, and then as the university's athletic director from 1998 to 2008. Since 2008 until his official retirement in 2017, Pete supervised Cedarville's outdoor athletic facilities, and I must add, he currently assists the new field supervisor, his son Chris. Chris graduated from the university in 1989, and he has served the university in various roles within the athletics department. He was the Yellow Jackets Director of Golf Operations in 2016 before being promoted to Associate Athletic Director for Events and Facilities in 2011. Today he is following in his father's footsteps as a supervisor of the university's outdoor athletic facilities. Pete and Chris, I am thrilled to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Good to be here. Thank you. And Pete, I want to start with you. And what I, I want to take you back to the very, very beginning, and that's um, when you came to Cedarville as a student, okay? So what I want to know is, knowing that the, we, we all know that Cedarville has deep roots in the Baptist denomination. So how did a Presbyterian kid come to Cedarville University? It probably was not the easiest thing. It was uh, particularly in the community. It was not uh, what they thought was a very smart decision. It was really the sport of basketball that brought me to Cedarville. As you said, I was a local kid raised on a farm outside of town. Loved basketball. We farm boys played basketball all the time. Went to practice, played half the night in somebody's barn. Loved to play basketball. When I graduated from high school in 1956, wanted to go on and play basketball someplace at a college, but I had a problem. I was a big mama's boy and I didn't want to go away from home. I'd never been away from home one night in my life. The She said, well, I'm not going away to college with you. So the only 
option I had was Cedarville. The college moved here and became a Baptist institution in 1953. Now, keep in mind that I was a Presbyterian boy, like most folks in the community, either Presbyterian or Methodist, was raised in a little Presbyterian church on Clifton. So uh, not wanting to go away from home, that left me with the option of coming to Cedarville College. I'm really not sure, Mark, how I got into Cedarville because I, I, some way or other, either I wrote a testimony, personal testimony, or somebody wrote some way I got into Cedarville because uh, that the fall of that first of my freshman year is when I gave my life to the Lord, and that that was a that was a uh, really a turning point uh, in my life. Can you tell me more about that uh, that conversion experience and how uh, the Lord has used you since then? Okay. In that day, in fact, a, we only had two or three buildings on campus, and there was one new building. I don't know what that building is today. I think it's a student government building or something over there. Chapel, that was, in that day, as I tell people, boys sat on one side and girls sat on the other. So you didn't, there was no use trying to make any time during chapel. That wasn't going to happen. So, but we had evangelistic meetings in the fall, special Bible meetings. A, a guy, the name of Chelsea Stockwell, which is actually Don Rickards' father-in-law, he was, he was preaching one morning. And that, that particular morning, that's when I gave my life to the Lord. And uh, as I say, that was a changing point in my life. Went on and was a, a PE major, supposed. Supposedly, I was the first PE major they had, uh, along with Rosemary Smith, which is North Smith's sister. Uh, then always wanted to teach and coach. That was the other thing that kind of drove me to, the co- to go to college. And I was, uh, as I say, graduated with a PE major in 1960. So you wanted to teach, you wanted to coach. So I'm going to move the story forward quickly because there's a lot of ground to cover. But uh, soon after graduation, you decide, even you, who has never left Cedarville, you decide to move to Los Angeles. Uh, No. No? There was a step in between in 1960. Okay. And remember that uh, Cedarville was not accredited. And uh, no ed courses, really, except we did have that PE major. And so in 1960, I I, uh, got a job in Flint, Michigan. Okay. As a uh, and so I started out. Actually, I was a classroom teacher. My first year, I taught fourth, fifth grade. Second year, I taught fourth grade. Then the third year, I got into elementary physical education. Was there five years, and then we went to Los Angeles to LA Baptist College. So, what prompted you to, you to move from Flint, Michigan, to LA? Uh, well, again, when I went to Flint, Michigan. Uh, I was a I was a uh, lonely young man, and, and I, again, I'd never been away from home. So, but anyway, that helped me a little bit. But when we tell our pastor, we had a pastor in Flint, Michigan, of the church we went to. He had gone out and taken a church on the West Coast, and become had become 
part of the staff at LA Baptist College. And he knew I was interested in athletics and so forth. And I just saw it as a uh, great opportunity to move up through the ranks, going from almost a junior high level to a college level. Went out there. Basically, it had been a Bible college. They wanted to move into a four-year liberal arts school. So went out there to start an athletic program, a uh, physical education program. And of course, in that day, you, you coached everything there was. Right. Yeah, you're, and that's pretty common uh, in small Christian colleges. You, you do a yeah. lot of different things. So we know yeah. that. Uh, so while at Los Angeles Baptist College, which is now known as the Masters College, you were the basketball coach, the athletic director, and many other roles. You were also in some way connected with the legendary UCLA basketball coach, John Wooden, I understand. What are some lessons that you learned from Coach Wooden and your 23 years at the Masters College that helped you in your career and ministry when you returned ultimately back to Cedarville? Well, John Wooden, as uh, although the youngsters of today, when I mention John Wooden, they look at me and think, well, who's he? But he obviously was probably the greatest basketball coach that's ever lived and was a tremendous man, uh, a Christian fella, So I had opportunity to go to UCLA clinics, went to practices. John Wooden was very precise in teaching the fundamentals of the game. And that's one of the things I learned. It's all about teaching fundamentals. You know, there's just preparation was also the other thing. I don't, I'd like to mention this. Uh, In 1973, a friend and I had the opportunity to go down I'd never met John Wooden personally, but we had the opportunity, went to his office, and we spent about an hour in his office just talking to him. By this time, he had won 10 national championships. And Mark, it was just like we're talking here. And it was a a wonderful experience I had. In fact, this friend of mine, a few years ago, he had the opportunity to visit John Wooden in his home before Coach Wooden had passed away. And Coach Wooden gave him a basketball that he personally signed that day for him and so forth. I now have the basketball because my friend sent it to me and said, I want you to have this basketball that John Wooden signed. So anyway, there were many things that I learned from him and watching his practices was phenomenal. I mean, it was as as perfect as you possibly could get, Evan. Yeah, you you uh, you learn from the best, and uh, your experiences in athletic competition and everything else you've done uh, have turned out well. And I promise, Chris, I'm gonna get to you in a little bit. Since your return to Cedarville, Pete, you and your brother, much like what you did at, uh, out in L.A., but you and your brother are responsible for building some of the best athletic facilities in NCAA Division II in Ohio, perhaps even the country. You built the soccer field on campus. In fact, you built it twice. You oversaw the construction of the baseball and softball complex, the Elvin King cross-country course, and multiple practice fields. That, that takes a lot of money, a lot of time, and the right equipment. What motivated you to work so diligently to make this a reality at your alma mater? Well, I think... One of the reasons I came back to Cedarville because 
you know, even beginning in my junior high job and, of course, on the West Coast, I built fields because in that day, if you wanted a diamond to play on or something, you you built one. And I think that along with the, the farm boy that was in me, always wanted to get my hands in the dirt and do something. And uh, so those two things kind of motivated me. And, you know, I'd had the opportunity to build the facilities out in L.A., but it was very uh, we had it was a very small complex compared to here. And so when the opportunity came uh, to uh, have be in charge of not only the outdoor facilities, but the indoor facilities I had when I first came to Cedarville, I just looked at it as a great opportunity. And frankly, it was coming back home to Cedarville, which I never dreamed I would do. And as I said, I was forever grateful for what I was able, what Cedarville offered me when I was a student, because they obviously set me on a course for my life. It was something I was able to enjoy. I would never have had the opportunity to work with and coach with all all these students and athletes that I did. And so so forever grateful what Cedarville done for me as a student. So even though you're a Cedarville boy at heart, even today, how difficult was it for you to make that transition back to the Midwest from L.A.? wasn't difficult for me. <laughs> a little more difficult for my wife because she was kind of a, a city gal. Uh, she loved L.A., and L.A. had a lot of things going for it. Oh, my goodness, we were within minutes from the Dodger Stadium, from the Lakers, and, the, you know, and all types of things happening in L.A. But being a very submissive wife, she was, that's fine. Wherever you think the Lord wants us, uh, I'm willing to go. So, but, and again, as I said, uh, Cedarville at that time, more programs, more facilities, et cetera. We were fairly limited what we had on the West Coast. And because of the price of buying land and so forth, we were uh, pretty limited. And uh, we mentioned Point Loma a while ago. We were kind of semi-desert. We were not on the ocean like Point Loma. When you hit the ball out of the park, it went in the Pacific. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, that was that's a beautiful baseball uh, facility, and the, the setting is spectacular. Chris, I want to transition to you a little bit. Uh, you seem to be a carbon copy of your dad, from from my observation. Now you're following in his footsteps by managing Cedarville's outdoor facilities. You've worked in athletic administration as associate AD, and now care for the facilities. What prompted you to move from an AD position to the grounds position? I think a lot of it was just the uh, the learning of a new skill, being outside, coming outside has been a challenge to learn new things, equipment, how to take care of uh, turf. So now I've had the chance to learn from the best. So it was just a new experience for me. Being out taking care of the fields and the facility, I still get to you know, be a part of events, be a part of the coaches that are outside. It was just going from inside to outside, but maintaining some of the, the same jobs, uh, but learning how to deal with uh, turf and equipment, it, it's a challenge. I've learned from my father to maintain beautiful fields because that's what we want at Cedarville. We want excellent fields and the way they look, and we want uh, fields that our athletes can play on, that can they can enjoy um, and talk about. Okay, so you're leading me to my next question. So as I was preparing the podcast and both of you guys can answer this question, but one thing I learned about Pete and Chris Reese is that they're very particular 
and the way they care for their outdoor facilities. In fact, staff people told me that there's a right way to care for the field, there's a wrong way to care for the field, and there's the Reese way to care for the field. What, what's the Reese way to care for the field? Who wants to talk on that one? How about you, Pete? Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, it's interesting how these things get around. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think, you know, the Reese way, I, I think it's just doing the details. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I always told my fellows, you know, everyone uh, can go out and mow, but not everybody does the trimming, the edging, the other detail work, and uh, I always felt that is what made our fields a little better. And uh, it was always, for example, when I would, when athletes came back, and I would hear them say, "Boy, it's good to be back home because our field is just detailed. It's edged. It looks good. It's mowed right." Now I'm not quite as detailed. I'll be honest. I'm not quite as detailed as Chris is. He's he's really detailed, and uh, which which again makes our facilities I think stand above the others just a little bit. So Chris, uh, your dad says you're more detailed than him. Um, how does that? How how would the average person notice the difference between what you bring to the job and what your dad brought to the job? Well, I think it's all the, like he said. It's all the little things, all the little details that. Uh, aren't maybe as fun to do on the job but like what like what uh, well the trimming and the edging and and uh let me jump in here just a minute mark uh because if you've ever looked at our fields you they are always striped i mean striped i did not do that good a job striping you're talking about in you're talking about in the mowing yes okay yes but he loves to stripe fields and that's why, again, when you walk on and you look at our soccer field and so forth, I mean, it, it looks almost like a, a pro job. You know, you go to a pro field. Same thing with baseball. Uh, and which, again, uh, it takes more time and effort to do that. Right. So, Chris, where did that passion and interest come from to be excellent, even on mowing the grass with stripes? Well, I think it started in California growing up with a father who was detailed in design fields, the way he cared for the the gymnasium, LA Baptist. Everything was detailed. Everything had to be perfect. When you see that, you grow up with that, kind of engraves in your head. What a better way to do anything except to do it with excellence. And so when I played basketball, try to do things with excellence, with practice, with shooting. And uh, it was just something he taught me. And now it's what I do in my work uh, with our outdoor facilities. You know, you got to challenge yourself. It's fun to look at other fields on the pro level, how they strap their field and how they mow. And you try to figure out a pattern and what would be fun for the guys and, you know, the athletes to look at and the, and the spectators. And, and so, um, it's it's that's the fun part of the job right there is just making the turf look great. I admire fields like when I'm watching games on TV or I'm in a major league baseball stadium to see you know how they and I don't know how they do this but how they they put uh, logos in the field. I, I love St. Louis uh, Bush Stadium and they put the arch in right field, the center field, left field. It's really spectacular and so it does it does add a, an added dimension to the sport itself. 
We, we talked briefly about the Reeseway, and the Reeseway is likely a significant reason why Cedarville renamed its athletic fields recently to the Pete Reese and Gene Reese athletic fields in honor of Pete and in memory of Gene, your brother. Chris, what does this honor mean to you as the son and nephew of these two Cedarville giants? Well, it's, it's a privilege to maintain facilities that your father and uncle um, built and maintained for, for years. And it, it just a, uh, it inspires me, it motivates me to, to do the best job I can to keep the crew out here working hard and to make them understand that this is very important to maintain what the family's built. You know, I, I think it's an honor to be out here and uh, hopefully uh, what what I do, my work I do will will keep that alive. And um, so for you, it's it's not just the job that you're doing. This is um, real life and personal for you because of the family connection. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I wasn't around a whole lot when the, you know, I was away on the West Coast coaching and, and all that when things were being built. But when I came back, you know, during the summers, I could, I, I saw Gene and my dad working like crazy out here in the heat, you know, put, putting the irrigation lines in, leveling the fields. And, you know, without Gene's help, a lot of this doesn't happen. He had the equipment, he had the, the, the experience doing this. And um, it was a brother, brother team effort that made this happen. And I just come along. I just came along, and I have the privilege now to to maintain it. Yeah. What was the hardest part of the um, development of Cedarville's, Cedarville's outdoor athletic facilities, Pete? You know, it, it obviously was. It, it was. It was a lot of hard work. You know, because. The interesting thing was one of the reasons I wanted to come back to Cedarville on the West Coast, I had to build fields and this and that out there. And as I looked at Cedarville, they had everything in place, baseball diamond, softball diamond, track, soccer field. What I didn't know, what was ahead, Cedarville in their expansion all of those fields were going to be built on. And therefore, we had to begin buying land and developing new fields. I think the thing, uh, as I've told a lot of young fellows and gals, whatever you go into, try to find something you have a passion to do. And you have a passion about your work. And as I've told Chris and others, there were very few mornings that I didn't look forward to going to work because I that passion drove me. And just uh, as a side note, when we're talking about uh, perfection and that type of thing, as a, as a young man, 26 years old, when I went to the West Coast and I began to, again, to watch John Wooden go to practices. And as I looked at his pyramid of success, he was all about perfection, hard work, doing things properly. And so, again, uh, one of those side notes, how Coach Wooden really built into my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fabulous story. Thanks for sharing it. But I, I need to go back to the Pete Reese and Gene Reese athletic fields and, and ask you a question, Pete. So now the facilities are named after you and your brother. What does that mean for you and your wife, your family? It's a it's a great honor. It really is. You know, uh, it's a little bit over overwhelming. I think the best thing about it is the fact that they're honoring Gene in this 
because the interesting thing, Gene was not an athlete. There were just two. Uh, he was he was just different than I was. He was all about farming. I was the athlete. In fact, I'm not even sure that he ever saw me play a game of basketball here. When I decided to come back to Cedarville, and then as I wasn't here very long until we started having to build fields and so forth. And so that's when I went to him and said, can you help me? Because he had the equipment. He had the big equipment. And I didn't know what his answer would be. But oh my goodness, he said, yeah. And he jumped in with both feet. And I'll tell you, I, I, I mean, amazing. I mean, he, he gave time, effort. It, it was amazing what he did. So I and so I'm just... I, I'm thrilled the fact that that uh, his name is going on the uh, on the sign. Yeah, it's great, and uh, all the Cedarville University student athletes are indebted to you and Gene for um, doing the work that you have done, and uh, and that will continue for for years to come. So thank you for your service there. Um, I have time for maybe a couple more questions. Um, I'm gonna go back to Pete. Uh, as I prepare to close the podcast, uh, how meaningful is it for you to see Chris leading the effort to care for these outdoor athletic facilities with the same intensity and work ethic that you demonstrated? Oh, it's a great thing, you know, because uh, uh, if I see something that's wrong, it's very easy to I know who the guy is I need to see. <laughs> hey, Chris, Chris, does he ever give you unsolicited advice? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, Mark, that's kind of, uh, it's really, it's wonderful to have your son to follow you uh, in, in whatever profession you've been in. However, there's some, uh, there can be some difficulties with it too. As I tell people, you know, as I stepped away, you need to step away and let the next generation do their thing. And uh, so that that sometimes is a little difficult. So it's, it, and that's harder to do when it's your own son, because you know, you feel mm. you can go, you kick him around a little bit, but somebody else, you know, uh, so, but, but it's been great. I guess the thing that, about Chris is, he, he is, he is meticulous in what he does. And again, it fulfills, uh, my goal that of when we do things, let's be detailed. That's where we're going to stand above the others a little bit. Mm. Let's do more than just go out and do the basic mowing, but let's have those, let's have those lines perfectly straight. Let's do these things that others are not doing. And, uh, and I think, I, I think when it comes right down to it, the athletes do notice it mm -hmm. when they come, when they go away and they come back and they say, Hey, it's good to be back home to play on fields that have been prepped correctly and yeah. so forth. But anyway, to answer your question, yes, I, I, I'm thrilled that he's, uh, wanted to, uh, take over and do my job. Uh, and you know, I've been told already, he's doing a better job than I am. So. That's okay. Wow. I needed to be humble. <laughs> now, aren't you uh, working part time for Chris? Uh, yeah, I. You know, uh, the old body is kind of wore out, but uh, as long as I can sit on a tractor, I'm pretty good. Yeah. You know, I was put on a tractor when I was seven or eight years old. You know, and I've been driving a tractor ever since. So, and you know what? It just is, it's a great thing because I'm not responsible for anything else except just crawl on that tractor and mow some grass. 
Oh, uh, that's a great feeling. And yeah. take it e- t- take it easy on him, Chris. Oh, yeah, we do. But but don't yeah. let him get away with anything either. Oh no. Yeah, oh no. I'm talk. Uh, they remind me very quickly of mistakes that I might make, <laughs> and I've made a couple of bad blunders. Oh. <laughs> uh, haven't we all? <laughs> Well, time is up, but I have one final question for, for both of you. To bring the conversation full circle, we talked early about Pete's faith in Jesus and that journey. Full circle, I'm, I'm interested in knowing, Pete, what's the Lord teaching you right now in this phase of your life? I guess he's trying to teach me, uh, you know, how to understand the phase of the life I'm in, trying to get me to understand I'm not 30 years old anymore, but what can I do to be, uh, you know, profitable, profitable for him? What can I do? You know, it's 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 a little bit of a retirement. I'm not a very strong believer in retirement. I, I'm just not that type of person. So every once in a while, I kind of get down a little bit, but I have to understand that with the Lord has given me uh a portion health of health that many others my age don't enjoy. So I need to be thankful for that and continue to do work within the parameters uh, of which he's given me at this, at this age. And I'm, I'm very thankful because almost every week or every other week, uh, Mark, when you get to be of this age, friends have passed on and this and that. And so I'm very thankful and I'm thankful for the opportunity I have to come and, as I said, uh, mow once in a while and just, uh, you know, so. Uh, hey, Mark, can I, tell, uh, I, I will say, too, that he has a chance to build into my son, Jordan, who is also, he was an athlete here, graduated, you know, a golfer. And, and now Jordan and Jasmine are expecting a baby next month. So I'm glad my folks are healthy enough to know them. But, you know, I know that he and Jordan talk a lot. That's that's just a great thing to, to see. Yeah, that's great. To, to for have the, the heritage and the experiences to be passed down from generation to generation is so invaluable. Yeah, it really exactly. is. You know, it's just, uh, Jordan, I've always been a kind of a woodworker. Keep trucking, don't slow down, and but do everything the Lord tells you to do. In fact, <laughs> every time I watch a basketball game on TV, you know what that does for me? Oh, man, I want to go back out and coach. Oh, man. Chris and Pete, it's been great to have you on the program today. I could spend a lot more time just listening to your stories of athletics and how you're serving the Lord here at Cedarville University. But uh, for now, uh, thanks for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast, and I wish you both the very best as you move forward in your phase of life. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories Podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.